For marketing agencies and social media managers looking to prove the value of their work, I've got something special for you. Agora Pulse is not only Social Media Examiner's tool of choice as an all-in-one social media management tool, it also allows you to track the traffic, conversion, and revenue from every social post, comment, and private message. Learn how to prove your social media ROI with a free training or a free trial by visiting agorapulse.com SME today. Again, agorapulse.com SME. Welcome to the Social Media Marketing Podcast, helping you navigate the social media jungle. And now, here's your host, Michael Stelzner. Hey, hey. Thanks for joining me today for the Social Media Marketing Podcast. I am your host, Michael Stelzner. I'm going to guide you through these treacherous jungles and help you figure out what really works in social media. This podcast is for the marketer or the business owner who is seeking new creative ways, wants to learn, wants to figure out how social media really works. I am so excited about today's show. Coming up a little later, we have a spectacular interview with Brian Carter. And if you don't know who Brian is, he's the author of The Like Economy. He's a Facebook expert. And we're going to talk about the common mistakes and misconceptions that marketers make when it comes to Facebook. So if you've been struggling a little bit with your Facebook marketing, you do not want to miss this particular episode. Now what I'd like to do is share something really interesting with you. After untangling a school of anacondas, look what Michael Stelzner found. So this is a Facebook tip that we've recently discovered over the last couple of weeks at Social Media Examiner. And this tip comes from my friend Mari Smith, and we have experimented with it, and it really does work. If you are sharing content on Facebook, and it doesn't matter whether it's your blog posts or if it's someone else's content, what you want to do to get the maximum exposure for that share, and this is especially valuable for those of you that have Facebook pages and aren't just using your personal profile, is to upload an image. And then what you want to do, and by the way, let me back up for a second. The reason why the image is so important is because one thing you've probably noticed a lot in your newsfeed is it's dominated by images. And the images are big, they're, they're noticed by people, and that's what grabs people's attention. It used to be that you would just put a link in, and you can still do this, and a little tiny image is queried by Facebook with some text. Well, the new way to do this is to simply grab an image and you could download an image from the actual article in question or you can do what we do and you can take a screenshot of the top of the article, which is kind of cool because this image is big enough that if you take a screenshot of the top of the article, you have the nice formatting, you have the beginning words that you see on the article and maybe even a high retweet number or some of the social share stuff. And that creates a really cool image. People can read the content that's in that image. They can see it in the context of the the uh, the blog that it's originally done at. And then you add some text in there and a link. So typically the way this looks is at Social Media Examiner, we'll wait a few hours after our posts have gotten a little bit popular, take a screenshot of the top part of the post. And then what we'll do is upload it to Facebook and include some text like, wondering how to use LinkedIn to generate more leads, check out today's post, and then we'll paste in the link. 
then we'll share that on Facebook and we tend to get a lot more sharing of those images by others, more likes and more comments. So try it out. Let me know if that tip works for you. You can do that, by the way, by visiting the uh, page, the show notes for this particular episode at socialmediaexaminer.com slash three, which is the number three. AI has been a massive disruptive force over the past year. That's why we're excited to announce our brand new show, Introducing AI Explored. It's a weekly show hosted by me, Michael Stelzner. If you want to understand how to put AI to work, this is the show for you. Each week, we'll dive deep into using AI to your advantage. We're talking the practical, tactical stuff that I know you're probably craving. Search for AI Explored on your favorite podcast app and happy listening. So with that, let's transition over to today's expert guest. Helping you simplify your social safari, here's this week's expert guide. I am so excited to be joined by Brian Carter today. And if you don't know who Brian is, he's the author of a couple books. One of them is called The Like Economy, and the other one is called LinkedIn for Business. Brian develops strategies and builds social media marketing fan bases for companies of all sizes. Some of his more well-known clients include Universal Studios, the U.S. Army, Hardee's, and Carl's Jr. Brian, how are you doing today? I'm good. How are you doing, Michael? I'm doing really well. So what we're going to talk about today is Facebook. And we're not just going to talk about anything about Facebook, but kind of what are the big struggles that marketers are facing on Facebook? And for those of you that have been listening since the beginning, you may recall that in episode one, I interviewed Mari Smith about Facebook mobile. And you can check that out at socialmediaexaminer.com slash one, the number one, to get to that episode. Today, we're not going to focus on the mobile side so much. We're really going to talk about just Facebook as a platform and what some of the challenges are that that marketers are facing. So Brian, I guess the first question I want to start with is, what are some of the misconceptions that marketers bring to the table when it comes to Facebook? Well, I mean, there are a bunch. There are so many. I mean, the first one is that Facebook is like any other marketing channel you've ever used. Um, like for example, I mean, if you come from search, uh, you're used to that buying atten- intent from a keyword. And if you're coming from AdWords, you're used to a pretty instant, uh, ROI. Mm-hmm. Um, if you're coming from Twitter, you're used to pushing out links and, and you think that's going to work really well on, on Facebook too. And, uh, you know, as it turns out, more people are looking at and interacting with photos than links, right? So right. there are a lot of changes people need to make um, that they're not even aware of. Sometimes they'll even like, they'll make uh, commitments to like a type of page. Maybe they make their page about their company when they could have considered making their page somewhat about the niche that they serve and creating a community around that. So there are a lot of things they don't even think of at the beginning. You know, this is such a common problem with social media in general and marketing in general. So many of those of us that have been around for a while um, are in this product marketing mentality, right? Which is, what's another channel I can push my wares through? And right. that doesn't really work with Facebook. Why? 
Well, I mean, because it's boring. I mean, it, you know, the, I guess the, the most frustrating thing is to hear somebody say, you know, I don't use Facebook, but I want to market my stuff on it. Right. I'm like, okay, well, you're not going to understand Facebook at all. You're not going to understand how people behave on it or what they want. So you're going to have to completely give up any ideas you have about how it should be done. Like, at least go use Facebook, right? Because if you're using Facebook like a lot of people are, you're on there interacting with your friends and your family and you're looking at photos. There's a lot of babies. The internet seems to be made out of like babies, puppies, cats, and bacon, right? <laughs> I mean, so so then it's like, how do I make my, my pipe fitting business relevant to bacon? I don't understand. Um, so there's like this huge gulf all of a sudden between um, what your business is and what, what Facebook is. And um, so one of the things I teach to bridge the gap is what I call selling the dream. So instead of thinking about what you sell or what the benefits are, you know, like at a certain point you moved from features to benefits. That's a pretty basic marketing move. Like let's talk about how this thing helps people. But that's still too boring for Facebook. So Because it assumes thing the can, things are wanted by people, right? And they may not be on Facebook, right? Right. And it's not even that they want it. I mean, there's a lot of things I want, but, you know, do I want to interact with those things on Facebook, you know? Right. Um, do I, you know, if, if say, for example, I love – uh, mountain climbing, which I do, um, then, you know, I don't necessarily want to see a picture of a rope. I want to see an awesome vista that somebody's climbing, you know, because that's why I would go out and go mountain climbing. So you got to think about what is this dream or this vision of life that your customer is trying to fulfill and then portray that through photos, maybe videos, but they don't work as well as photos. Photos are the number one thing on Facebook. So Brian, can yeah. you give an example you know, with words of a brand that you've seen that's doing this well or a client of yours that has achieved some traction um, with what we're talking about here? Well, the easy, the easiest ones are those types of brands that are lucky to either, like they're, they're maybe their BMW and they're showing videos of really fast cars or something like that. Um, you know, or maybe they are lucky enough to be, they sell, they sell, um, uh, I worked with some, some businesses that sell, uh, pet supplies. So that's a lot easier than let's say, I, I think one of the best examples I've seen of bridging this gap is there was, uh, an American Heart Association post not too long ago where they, they created their own some e-card. You know, they went on some e-cards and then they created their own and it said, it showed a doctor talking to a little boy and, and the doctor was saying, you know, you're going to have to stop eating all these vegetables because I can't find anything wrong with you. You know, so it's, a, an, it, it's not very funny. It's slightly funny. Um, and we should explain a what an e-card is too, by the way, just for people that don't know what that is. You want to explain what that is? Oh, yeah. Well, some e-cards is one of the most popular, I would say, kind of like funny online card uh, sites. I mean, there have been a number of these over the last decade or so, but that one is pretty viral. They're also kind of, uh, um, I mean, some of the humor that they have on there is pretty edgy. It'll be about like uh, things in the news, but you can go on there and create your own. Um, and this is an example of what I would call like jumping onto memes or turning your, your marketing message into a photo um, and maybe using a little bit of humor because, you know, a lot of businesses have to be careful with humor. Right. Um, you know, you can go over the line and then you move to the point where they don't trust you as a business person anymore. Well, I experimented um, with this. Uh, I went on, it, it's some S-O-M-E, ecards.com, right? Isn't that the, am I saying that right? Right, right. I went on there during the yeah. Olympics just for my personal profile experiment and I found a Halloween 
picture of a woman holding a big pumpkin and i just said something like uh, olympics considering uh pumpkin throwing for uh 2016 olympics <laughs> you know and, and that's and, good you know and just took a screenshot of it i mean but you can create cool little stuff like that and it looks professional and kind of retro yeah. almost and then people just start sharing it because they think you've just shared something that uh that that you discover when you actually created it right Right, right. And and the other thing, the upshot of that is that, um, you know, there's a lot of content creation that has to go on. That or content curation, which means finding other people's content that's relevant and sharing it. Um, but so the point being that if you need to, if let's say you grow a Facebook fan base and you want to move these people towards a sale ultimately, you need to keep them engaged um, or else they'll stop seeing your posts. So you're always trying to put out new content that they're going to like and comment on and share. And it's a really experimental process. You know, if you have one post a day, and that's what a lot of people do, um, you've got 365 experiments per year. And every time you post something, you'll see whether it works or not. And you learn something new about your audience. You know, oh, they do respond to humor or they don't. Or, oh, my joke wasn't very good, you know, or... Um, you know, like lately, like, so I put out my new book that's about LinkedIn and I got a picture of, of me next to my dog. Right. And that's partly because I love my dog and partly because I know people love dogs on Facebook. Um, you know, that, that got shared, uh, and liked quite a bit. Um, so, you know, that's just an example of trying to incorporate things that people love into your business. So let's talk about what you think the biggest mistake is that you see people marketers doing on Facebook over and over again? Um, well, there are, there are a number of things. And I think the way I like to talk about this is like, usually when I speak, I use this diagram that has a, and, and actually if people want to refer to it, I've got a bit.ly link for it. It's bit.ly slash Facebook diagram. Fortunately, that one was available. I can believe it, but, um, it's on Pinterest. So this is a, a diagram, which is like a funnel that shows five things you got to do to sell on Facebook. So people can mess up any one of those steps and have trouble reaching ROI. And so I think there's actually less room for error. Even though you still have to experiment with Facebook, there's less room for error and there are more steps than you're used to. So number one, you have to reach the right people. So if you've got the wrong fans, or let's say you got 5,000 fans for $10 and they're all from Pakistan <laughs> and you don't sell to Pakistan, then that's a problem, right? right. You've got to reach the right people. And then once you have them as fans, you've got to reach them over and over again uh, through EdgeRank, you know, the newsfeed algorithm. You've got to reach them with like, for example, people are more likely to see photos than links because they interact with them more. Um, and once you're you have those fans and you're reaching them, you still have to persuade them, right? Because let's say you're doing AdWords, you've got people that are saying, I'm ready to buy a mountain bike. And so they typed in buy Trek mountain bike. Um, those people, you know, they're ready to buy, you can sell to them, it's a slam dunk, you get good ROI. But if you're selling the same bikes on Facebook, you're getting people that like mountain biking, and they may or may not need a bike right now, right? They might have just bought a bike. So you're trying to stay in front of them for a while and increase their desire for the new bikes or whatever. Uh, and you're trying to stay in front of them until they, they're ready to buy another one. You're trying to shorten that sales cycle if you can. So that's the persuasion part that some people leave out. They're not used to doing that. Um, and you're trying to reach people repeatedly by getting uh, showing up in the news feed. And then, of course, your website still has to work. And if you're a company that has never sold anything before successfully online, and you try Facebook first, 
you don't even know. Maybe maybe your website doesn't work, or maybe you have something people don't want, right? So you still have to. Um, usually, I tell businesses to have a mix of things like Facebook and and um, AdWords and SEO and Twitter and try a bunch of things, uh, especially if you're new and you don't know really yet what people respond to with your business. Brian, what metrics do you think marketers should be looking at when they're trying to judge the effectiveness of their Facebook marketing? Mm. Well, I mean, you got to take it like step by step because, you know, some people would say, uh, oh, we just have to get engagement and that's all, you know, but no, they're not buying. It's not, you know, there's no ROI, right? Um, Other people would say we just need to get ROI, but they've, they don't seem to realize that if they don't have good engagement, they won't reach enough people even enough of their fans to to get those sales. Um, and some people don't even have an awareness amongst people that their business even exists in the first place. So, I mean, I think the short answer to that is you have to pay attention to all of them, right? Because it's a funnel. So you have to look and see, is your, is your business having trouble with um, people aren't even aware of it in the first place or they're not getting engagement so you're not showing up in their newsfeed or... You're showing up and people know you, but they're not buying for some reason. Why is that? You know, so you just have to look at the metrics and figure out which part you're you're having trouble with. A lot of people focus on the number of fans that they're getting each week or each month, or they focus on the that public engagement rate. Um, yeah. People talking about this or whatever that thing's called. What are your thoughts yeah. on that? Yeah, P P Tat, we call it P Tat. Um, people talking about this. Um, but that that's a, a really I would call that a trash can metric because it throws a whole bunch of things into one metric and it can look deceptively high. Um, like let's say you're just you, you're using f- uh, Facebook ads to grow your fan base. Um, even just acquiring fans shows up in that in that P Tat. So it's not a great measure of success. Um but so your original question was, yeah, the original question was whether or not those are just metrics that should even be, you know, looked at, you know, fan growth and the people yeah. talking about this. Well, I mean, fan growth, like I think we saw a lot in 2010 and 2011, people growing these huge fan bases and all they cared about was that fan number. And that looks good if you report that to the executive suite. We have like a million fans. We have 10 million fans, whatever. But then we got all that information coming out that um, like an article I wrote with Paige Lever and other people have revealed this stuff too where, you know, maybe your your 5 million fan uh, fan, fan page is only reaching like 2% of them, right? So how many are they actually showing, showing up for in the news feed? Um, that's something that, you know, you don't really want to tell the executive suite. Well, yeah, we have 5 million fans, but we're only reaching about 50,000 of them, um, currently, you know, that doesn't look very good. Um, and then Facebook comes out and says the average fan page page is only reaching 16% of its fans. Um, so wow, you know, I've got 10,000 fans, but I only reached 1600 of them. Right. You, you, you know, but, but again, you can't say, oh, engagement is more important you still also need to be growing your fan base if you can, unless you've already, I mean, so, so every business could potentially reach a certain number of fans. We don't always know how many people that is. Like, let's say Coca-Cola, right, is probably, probably has more potential buyers than, you know, Trek Mountain Bikes does. But um, chances are you haven't reached all those people yet. And even if you have, 
Um, sometimes you run into that problem where you have all these fans, but you're not reaching them with a the news feed, so you got to run ads and sponsored stories and promoted posts to continue to reach people you already paid in the first place to reach. It can be frustrating, right. but what are you going to do? Yeah, you know? absolutely. Uh, I just got an email uh, yesterday or the day before yesterday from somebody who said, um, I, I, I target other businesses. Facebook is not for me. What do you say? Oh, what well, do you say to people that that um, are B two B? Yeah, yes, I say yes and no. That's that's um, b- there are B two B businesses on Facebook, and you can target businesses. You can target. You can actually put job titles in the interest section of uh, Facebook ads, right? And you can also target workplaces. Although the problem with there's a problem with each of those, which is with the interest. We don't really know how accurate that is. Um, like you know, how many people who are chief marketing officers have put that into their profile. And with workplaces, the statistic I have heard is that only about one out of six people reports their workplace in their Facebook profile. So you can't reach everybody that way. So um, yeah, I mean, having just written a book about LinkedIn, that's way better for B2B. And I recommend people have a mix. If they're doing B2B, they should have a mix of ways to reach people. Um, And you're trying to pull people all into this funnel, which is probably lead generation um, you're trying to get an email. Maybe you'll use some marketing automation from HubSpot or Eloqua or Marketo um, and ultimately get that to your salespeople. But you can feed people into the funnel from Facebook or LinkedIn. Um, I would just say, you know, you can't say ahead of time without having tried Facebook that it doesn't, it's not going to work for you in B2B. You, you still have to test it. Yeah. And, you know, our business is B2B. Um, we're targeting mm-hmm. marketers and you could argue that marketers are probably on Facebook more than others. But I, I think the key question to ask yourself is if you're targeting other businesses, especially if you're a consultant, um, is, are your people that you're trying to reach likely on Facebook? If they are, well, then, you know, they're people too. <laughs> it's so funny because so, right. many, so many people separate B2C and B2B as if they're different people, but they're not. Everyone is B2C. Yeah. You know what I mean? And that includes people did the B2B. same thing with, yeah, yeah. And people did the same thing with search. I mean, they would like, like as if they're different people, they're not. I mean, you know, your, your B2B uh, executive you're trying to reach is um, on the weekend, hanging out with their kids, uh, watching TV, they're on Facebook or whatever, and you can reach them then. One last question for you. Um, what makes for quality fans on Facebook? Is there any tips or techniques or whatever to make sure that the kinds of fans that you're growing on Facebook are the kind that you want? Yeah, I mean, so so a lot of people get their fans through Facebook ads. Not everybody, but somehow you got to qualify that these are actually good customers for you. So either you're doing that through Facebook ad targeting or you're trying to leverage maybe an existing email list to go into Facebook or whatever and, and your email list is already qualified. But when it comes to ads, you want to have passionate people. So you're going to figure out that what is that niche that people are passionate about? How are you targeting them? That passion is going to lead to a higher click-through rate, which is going to be a lower cost per fan, which makes them affordable. So I, I say fans have to be passionate. They have to be affordable. And they need to be buyers so that you can get an ROI out of them. Um, so you know, once you have it, the, the weird thing about Facebook is just you may think you know who your customer is, but you've never put it in Facebook terms, right? Like what other things do they like? Um, you can discover some of that through, there are a couple companies that have tools for that. One is um, Optimal and the other is Infinigraph. 
So you can try and figure out, kind of like the equivalent of keywords in search to figure out what interests people like that might be your, that you can target to get those people to become your fans. Excellent. Okay. I actually have one more question. I just pulled it out of my magic hat. Um, (laughs) Share with me your biggest Facebook marketing tip that um, you may have been experimenting with yourself that, that people are getting results with. What's something someone can go try right now on Facebook? Um, okay, so so two things. I'm going to cheat. One is make it a photo, however you have to do it. If your message, um, you can turn it into, like I said, a summy card or go to memegenerator.net or you can even search for, um, there are ways you can caption photos. Um, you can Google that and find little tools for that. And then when you put that photo in as a post, just say, click like if and then something related to it that's obvious. This is something that your audience is definitely going to like and will definitely say, yes, I, I see it in the photo and I like it. You're going to get a lot more likes, and that post is going to get a lot more reach and reach more of your fans than it usually does. And the benefit is you get better exposure in the news feed, right, down the road? Yeah. I mean, that's the thing. Your fans aren't valuable to you at all unless they're seeing your posts. Excellent. You said you had two, or, do, or was that both of them? Oh, that was the co- the combination of like take whatever you want to say um, and make it a photo. Make sure the content type you're posting on Facebook is a photo because more people will see it. And the other is that like call to action. You know, click like if. Oh, gotcha. Those are the two things. Wow, yeah. that was really that's really good. I'm, I think we're going to have to experiment a little bit with that. And I would encourage everybody if you do try this out, be sure to um, uh, visit the show notes at socialmediaexaminer.com/slash three. Uh, for episode number three and let us know if it worked for you. Brian, if people want to learn more about you and about your book, where would you send them? Uh, On Twitter, Brian Carter. Um, Also, I have a public profile. It's Facebook slash brian.carter.man. Amazon, you can search for my books. uh, BrianCarterYeah.com. Brian, thank you so much for taking some of your valuable time out of your day today. I really appreciate it. Thanks for having me. I hope you enjoyed that interview uh, with Brian Carter. He's really a super, super smart guy. Well, folks, that brings us to the end of another episode of the Social Media Marketing Podcast. I hope you're having as much fun as I am. I'm your host, Michael Stelzner. To check out the show notes for this particular episode, And what that means is if you're wondering what URLs I was mentioning and you want to get some of the notes when you're in front of your computer, go to socialmediaexaminer.com slash three. That'll get you directly to this podcast episode show notes. And if you love what you've heard, would you do me a huge favor and let your friends know about us? It means the world to me and to us. And one of the best ways to do this is to go to iTunes and help me out by writing a review, letting us know what you think about the show and giving us a rating. What this does for us is it helps our show to get discovered. It helps more people and it encourages me to keep moving forward with this show. I hope you make the absolute best out of your day and may social media continue to change your world. The Social Media Marketing Podcast is a production of Social Media Examiner. If you're like so many fellow marketers and creators and entrepreneurs, you're probably wondering, how do I put AI to work? Well, be sure to listen to the AI Explored podcast, a new show from Social Media Examiner, hosted by yours truly, Michael Stelzner. Again, check out the AI Explored 
Podcast.